in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Raider podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. Had the pleasure of interviewing Bill Stone this morning. Bill is the founder, chairman, CEO of SSNC Technologies, ticker symbol SSNC. I first had the occasion to meet Bill in SSNC back in 2009, 2010, back in my investment banking days. And an investor friend had recommended that I get to know the company. This particular institutional investor told me that nobody knows financial technology better than Bill Stone. At the time, I was building out equity research coverage of the financial technology space at my old investment bank, Needham and & Company. And we participated on that IPO in 2010, and that was the second IPO for SSNC. The company was founded in, in 86, went private in 05, and went back out again in 2010. My conversation with Bill was primarily around strategic M&A. We covered management principles, and we spoke a bit at the end about SSNC's Singularity Initiative, which is an initiative around artificial intelligence and machine learning. And if you know back office, middle office environments, I, for one, started my career in the back office back in the mid-1990s with Putnam Investments. Much has changed. You could also say there's a lot that has not changed. I've, the way I would describe back office, middle office, is that we've seen the first wave of, of automation. The next sort of mega trend in that space was consolidation on the vendor side. And SSNC is one of the largest vendors remaining, the largest certainly back office. Uh, middle office, you're competing a little bit with, with Bloomberg on the order management side, execution management side. But SSNC is very much the industry leader when it comes to portfolio accounting systems, trade settlement systems. I think the next wave, the next automation wave, if you will, is going to be around artificial intelligence and machine learning to drive more throughput around trade settlement, portfolio accounting, and frankly, to reduce, if not in many cases, to remove the human element entirely from the workflow, which means operating leverage. So we're not in the stock recommendation game. I left that life behind in 2011, but I feel like a bit of a flag bearer for SSNC and the remaining companies in that space because it is a, a space that's near and dear to my heart, given that it's where I got my start. And I think it's a space that's misunderstood in the investor community. It's not a space where you're going to find billion-dollar revenue companies growing at 30-plus percent. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. But it is a space where once you sign a deal with a customer and complete that implementation, it's very sticky. You can expect mid-90s renewal rates for companies like SSNC. In the case of SSNC, the company's had a consistent history of delivering profitable growth, historically in the 40% range, talking about EBITDA margins. And 2018 was a big year for the company, essentially doubling the size of the company from a revenue standpoint with the DST acquisition which was completed back in April of this year, the Ez acquisition, which was announced in July of this year. As I had the opportunity to get to know Ez back in 2008 when they were part of Bank of New York and Vergex in contemplating an IPO. Companies subsequently split into two as was acquired by private equity. And then the most recent acquisition was Intralinks, which is a secure communications platform, virtual data room used by deal makers in the investment banking space, PE, VC, 
And when I knew them back in 07, 08, they also played a little bit in, in healthcare with secure document delivery. And so based on my prior experience with the company and knowing that Bill Stone is a detail-oriented founder CEO, my assumption is that on these recent acquisitions, you'll see the company get margins up to the historical corporate margin over time. I would guess they're back up to a 40% EBITDA margin in the next two or three years. So if you forecast out two or three years time, you have a company that's approaching 2 billion in EBITDA and you put a 10 multiple on that, that's pretty attractive. Before I go, I will link to SSNC's Analyst Day presentation. I think they did a, a really nice job on the deck. So I'll link to that deck and I may link to a couple of other articles from Tech Today that I think are irrelevant to this podcast. Enjoy the conversation. And welcome to the CEO Radar Podcast. It's your host, John Maeta. Happy to have with me this morning, Bill Stone, founder, chairman, CEO of SSNC Technologies. And today we're going to talk a little bit about mergers and acquisitions, strategy around such. I wanted to highlight SSNC as one example of a company that's done M&A well in terms of generating ROIC, generating value for customers. And M&A has been a core piece of the growth strategy over the years and certainly since the most recent IPO back in 2010. So Bill, thanks for making the time today. I appreciate it. John, good to see you again. Glad to be here. So maybe, maybe we could start, Bill, at a high level. How did you get comfortable in, in thinking about bringing in entities that were external to, to SSNC into the company? How did you get comfortable with M&A as a growth strategy? Well, I, I think, you know, when we started, which is a long time ago, but, you know, in, in 1994, General Atlantic Partners became a big investor in SSNC. And, you know, the current CEO there is Bill Ford, and and I think General Atlantic had a history of doing doing acquisitions with their portfolio companies. So I, I was able to see how, how they went about it. And then in a previous life, when I worked at AdVest, which is a stock brokerage firm that was based in Hartford, we did nine acquisitions. So you got to see, you know, some ways I thought we did them well. In other ways, I thought there were areas you could improve on. You know, but, but most of it, was a, was about you know do your due diligence but you know if you don't feel like you can trust what you're buying then don't buy it if you believe you can trust what you're buying well then trust them doesn't mean you don't verify doesn't mean you don't check things of course you do that but people have to know that you're in their corner you want them to succeed you know if they succeed we'll probably all succeed so it's it's more of recognizing that they're not outsiders now they're part of us so you mentioned diligence, but before you get to due diligence, what are some of the, the key elements you look for in terms of acquisitions? I think you mentioned some filters in an investor deck around value creation, cultural fit, timing. Are there other factors? Do you weight certain factors more than others? Well, it, you know, as in all of these things, it, it's important that you don't waste your time. So while we have a very broad funnel of what we look at, and if it has to do with financial services, we're pretty much, we're gonna look. Doesn't mean we're gonna buy, and we probably only buy one out of 10 maybe, maybe less. But we, we look at them all the time because we, we get knowledge, right? You get to see how places operate, you get to see sure. how they price, you get to see how they go to market, you get to see how they you know, package their products, you know, you get to meet their management teams, you get to evaluate, you know, their people, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in casting a broad net around around acquisitions and the senior people at SSNC all know that I expect them to, to look at a lot of them 
and, and make sure that our experts in any one of our business are the ones really driving whether or not we would acquire, right? So, you know, I'm not going to have Rob Rowley, who came in with the Advent acquisition, I'm not going to put Salentica in his business. He's going to want to put Salentica in his business. And then, then he gets to sort of pitch or defend why and at what price. And then, then we, you know, together go see if we can close it. And, and I, I think that, that's, the, that's the attitude we have. That's what gives us the breadth that we have and also gives us the integration capabilities. So when we do multiple acquisitions at a time, a lot of times they're going into different people's businesses. So the other businesses that make up SS&C are often unaffected other than cross-sell and upsell opportunities. Most of your business is in financial services, capital markets, extrapolating out on, on what you said that would imply that going forward maybe the preponderance of acquisitions would be in capital markets and so forth. DST brought you a piece of business outside of capital markets and healthcare. So to what extent do you think about adjacencies and verticals that are maybe outside of capital markets where the senior execs inside of the company maybe aren't thinking about those opportunities in their day-to-day business? Yeah, again, we, we cast a pretty broad, pretty broad net. So, you know, financial services, you know, if you look at it broadly, treasury departments of industrial companies, insurance companies perhaps, uh, you know, the health and wealth kind of paradigm and then the ability to do transaction processing where we're a very efficient processor. You know, we have a very efficient operations, both offshore and onshore, and we grow both. And so we're, we're constantly, you know, striving for increased expertise that differentiates us from our competitors. You know, if this is you know, this, this is not commodity, this is not corn, this is, you know, this is not wheat. You know, you're not bringing it to market and yours is the same as everyone else's. You know, this is, you know, how, how well does somebody really understand uh, EITF 9920 or understand some component of GDPR or IFRS or, you know, 52 other rules and regulations that we all are, are subject to. So our core competencies are tied around, you know, an expertise in accounting and financial reporting and tax reporting and performance and performance measurement and compliance and risk. You know, so there's an awful lot of things that make that up and and it takes time, it takes education, it takes training, it takes experience, you know, and I think those are the things that have tended to make us increasingly a place people want to come to work. Uh, we've had some success in our in the value of our company and in our stock price, which obviously we, we, we have very large equity programs for our people. And we're also still very much into stock options and nothing else. You know, you get granted at the price that when you came in here, and just like everybody else, that stock price goes up. We all benefit. And if it if it happens to have a dip, then we have to work hard to make it go back up. And that's kind of how we have the whole organization set up, and it's, it's been successful. There's been a lot of people that have made a lot of money, and that's pretty rewarding, too. Now, a lot of what you just mentioned in terms of the businesses you participate in, uh, there's, there's a lot of deep domain expertise required to provide the services that you provide. Is the mission-critical nature of your business, does that mean 
when you're looking at the acquisition landscape, do you look at businesses that have a mission critical element to them? Is that an explicit filter or is it just something that's ingrained in the culture and your, your, your folks know that when we're evaluating potential acquisitions, we're going to look for companies that can bring in a mission critical element that maybe we don't have today? Yeah, I, I think we, we would say, you know, how do you define mission critical? Okay. So our, our view on how you would define mission critical would be much more, what, what are your retention rates? Right. Generally, the more mission critical it is, the more your retention rates are very high, right? Because they don't want to change, you, you know, and obviously in the businesses we're in, you know, that you've been in and are in, it's, it's highly profitable businesses, right? So that if, if, if these various money managers and, and, and other players in the markets, whether it's an investment bank or, or someone else, you know, if they can get the assets, if, if they can get the transactions, if they can get the deals, it's, it's pretty lucrative. You know, so as a supplier to them, you know, as a service provider, service partner, you know, our fees become you know, they're not de minimis, but somewhat de minimis compared to a two and twenty or a you know, one seventy five and seventeen fifty or a three and thirty that some of them try to try try to charge. So so, you know, then when you know, our ten or fifteen basis points seems to be, you know, pretty modest. Uh, so it's it's they want very high service and if you give them very high service then their, our retention rates are very high, about 95, 96. Uh, and the kinds of companies we buy tend to be in that kind of retention, and I think that's how we would define mission critical. When you're looking at targets, is the quality of the management team an explicit filter? Is it more about track record of, of that target? Do you look to bring on management teams that once inside SSNC, they can scale without much help from corporate? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know the management teams are are a very important part of of the acquisitions that we do. Although we would say we're expert in, in almost all the acquisitions that we do, we're already expert, right? So you're not really going to teach us very much about an investment accounting system or some financial reporting system or even a virtual data room, right? We we've done 50 acquisitions. We've been in lots of virtual data rooms, right? If we've done 50, we've probably looked at a thousand, right? So there's there's an expertise that 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 comes about it with that much experience. And so when you look at the management teams, you know a key a key decision criteria is are they going to stay? You know, so if they're not going to stay, it, it 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 loses a little bit of its uh, criticality to to our business. What what we have to see is is okay, what's the next level of management? And how talented are they? And have they been there for a while? And they're really trying to crack through, but they can't because you know maybe the current management team has been there, you know, for five or ten years, and they have ten or fifteen years to go. And so the, there's a layer of talented people that need need some options. And and then if, if the senior team leaves, then we have a a um, built-in farm team that's ready to take over. And you know, obviously, you also have all the savings that you just got with that senior team leaving so that you're able to reward this next team and you have enough money that if you need to go out and hire one or two to supplement, you, you can do that as well. And so it's it's always measuring that. In a lot of ways, you look at, at uh, you know, what kind of golden parachutes does the management team have in their employment contracts? 
You know, so if they have some huge golden feather, they're quitting. You're not going to be able yeah. to convince them to stay. They're going to quit. You know, and not because they don't like us or anything, and not they're not nice about it. They are. It's all nice, but they're taking that money. I mean, I don't blame them. You know, I think sometimes they could make a lot more if they didn't. But that's not for me to decide. That's for them to decide. And so, you know, we're, we're much more sanguine about about the management teams, and we're you know we're very supportive of them, and we have many that have come to us that have done tremendously well that are running big parts of our business whether it's Rob Rowley or Mike Slightholm or Ken Fullerton or Christy Brimner or a host of others that have done just a great job taking over various different churches. Jeff Shorman at Eds, we've already given him another 30 million dollar business to to supplement the, the Eds business and you know Leif O'Leary we have high hopes uh, uh, of being able to really build out what he's done at Interlinks and and there's a host of people at DST that are that are in the boat with the oar and understanding that you know you, you get to go walk down the mountain too, right? It's not all uphill, you know. So it, it it's building that confidence that you know we can win too, you know we we can catch a pass. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like teaching your son or daughter to kick a soccer ball or you know something is is that you know great job. Hey, that was really good. You know, whether or not they fell down when they were sweet kicking at it or whatever, they, they need to have confidence that you believe that they can make it, you know, and that's what we try to impart to people is confidence. Take chances. You know, hey, occasionally it's going to blow up in your face. You're not going to like it. Now, I'm not going to like it either, but, you know, that's a rite of passage, you know, and, and I'm not going to tell you every time. I, you know, there's things I'd say, hey, John, I don't know. I don't know if I'd do that. And, but you're convinced, and I said, well, go ahead. You know, I, I've done it a couple of times, it didn't work out well for me, but you might have a different approach, and you know, I'm, hey, I'm all for you, I hope it works. You, usually you come back beat up and burnt, and you say, wow, that didn't work very well. Yeah, that kind of, that's kind of what happened to me when I did that. But a lot of times you only learn when you do it, not when I tell you about it. You know, you, I tell you about it, you say, yo, Foggy, you just did it wrong. It's okay, I'll buy that. but. But, but go take a shot, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, if it's great big, you know, I'm not going to let you crash that train, you know, we're, we're going to have more debate before, before we do this, because I'm going to explain to you every step that I got clobbered, right, before you go out and do the same thing and get clobbered at every step I got clobbered, you know, if we're going to get clobbered, let's get clobbered a different way this time, right, let's not do it the same way, and and, and that's again, it's it, that's an experience and a um, and an understanding, and then also a respect that you know people have different approaches. Things work, you know that they can pull things off that I cannot. You know, I might be able to pull some things off that they cannot, right? But that's yeah. the that's kind of the beauty of uh, of having a talented team and and letting people have their own their own approach at and how they're going to go about. For success, and you know, SSNC is a numbers-oriented place. You know, somewhat maniacally. You know, how's your numbers? You know, because that's universal. It doesn't have to do with Stone or Maeda or Canwar or anybody else. It has those numbers. You know, we all talk in numbers, and so there's no politics. It's just numbers. How's those numbers? 
we're trying really hard. I understand you're trying really hard, but how's those numbers, right? Let's don't get into all the adjectives, the adverbs. Let's get quantitative first. Then we'll get qualitative. But it, if, if all you're doing is qualitative, then all you're doing is really hoping, you know? And you go very many qu quarters of really hoping as a public company, and you're not called a public company anymore. You're called a division. <laughs> I don't know who we're going to be a division of, but, you know, and so, and it's just that, you know, that is the nature of, you know, public company management. And a little bit it's, you know, for private equity firms that own businesses, it's pretty much that way too. You know, a lot of people will, We'll complain about short-termism and 90 days and, you know, management's ought to have a long, you know, management's jobs are to hit the numbers in 90 days and plan for the long term, right? So you have to have a profitable enough business to hit your numbers and plan for the future. And, and that's your job, you know, there's no one or the other, you know, one or the other, you get clobbered, you know, so again, it, and and I'm not saying that, that we have the perfect formula in, in every regard, but, but we're very cognizant that, you know, we have to do this quarter, this quarter, this quarter, and then what's feathering in quarter, you know, four quarters out? What acquisition did we do that, hey, like it, at as they have a new product called Eclipse, you know, and they're very excited about it. They've got about 55 customers that are coming online and, and, you know, they spent a lot of money to build it, and it's pretty slick. But, okay, so how's the numbers going to work out, Jeff? Right, how's the numbers, you know? And Jeff Shulman's a very talented guy, smart guy, and so we have a lot of optimism. But, okay, we're going to put $25 million in new revenue in Q3 next year? We're going to put $35 million in Q4? I mean, how much, you know? And, you know, now it's, holy cow, now you're, you're really talking about, yeah, so how do we get to that $35 million? Is that 100 clients? Is that 300 clients? Oh, it's 800 clients. Well, how many salespeople do you have? Well, we got four. Oh, well, you each one going to sell 200, huh? Probably not very likely. You know, so again, it comes back to numbers. How many people do you have? How much can they do? You know, what's a range? You know, and you know, if the number of times I've ever gone into a place and sold a system that time, that one time, one time. It was for about $18,000 and it was about 20 years ago. I almost fell out of my chair. Guy wrote me a check for $18,000 right there. I went, this has never happened before and it's never happened since. You know, so it's a longer period, right? And you're talking to CFOs and head of investment accounting or head of trading or head of compliance or head of internal audit or 52 other people that come into the process. And so, you know, it's short sales cycle is probably 90 days, you know, and a yeah. long, long one is probably 18 months, maybe more. So a, a couple things in all of what you just said. You're experts in what you do. Therefore, if I'm an investor and I'm new to the story, that maybe suggests that there's a plug and play element to your acquisition. So you, you sort of just de-risk the story a little bit around uh, your comment of, of being experts because you can just, to an extent, drop acquisitions in and almost hit the ground running immediately. That's uh, right. So I mean, you know, we buy Advent, and it's a good, really good company. And, and you know, Stephanie DeMarco started it in, I think, 83, and she's a very bright lady. And, 
and uh, built a great business and and but it's investment accounting systems, you know, trading systems. So we've been doing this for thirty years. You know what? You, you do double entry bookkeeping different than we do double entry bookkeeping. I don't think so. You have a balance sheet different than we have a balance sheet or an income statement or how you do amortization or accretion or how you collect dividends or it's the same. You know, I mean, hey, we all have our systems. We want to show you our security master and how brave it is. I tell our salespeople all the time, our security master looks like all of our competitors' security masters. So if you think you're going to sell based on showing them that security master and that you can pop up a window that has all the S&P ratings in it, everybody can do that. So you better have some differentiators besides, you know, in... I don't know, John, I think we have about 1,500 CPAs and chartered accountants that, you know, add to that bulk of expertise. And so, you know, we have a couple hundred CFAs and we have actuaries and mathematicians. And and so it's an expertise-driven game and, and it has to be done where, you know, the service offerings, the technology, the training, you know, the overall, you know, relationship that we build has to fit with our with our clients and you know we have to do a consultative way of nudging our our, our clients into doing it the best way you know now you know best practices and six sigma and all those things have kind of taken a, a, a hit on the chin with with ge having its challenges sure. but at the same time you you, you do want to do things in a way that kind of optimizes how that client uses their information and gathers their information and reconciles their information and, and then and then gets ready for the next day or ready for the next month or ready for the next quarter or ready for the next year, right? You, you know, you're not doing tax returns every day. You do quarterly tax filings and you do year tax, you know, yearly tax reports, but, but you got to be ready. You know, you can't sit there and you know, it's April 14th, you go, hey, we have to file taxes tomorrow. Well, that's, that's a problem. You know, so there's a, a lot of stuff like that that, you know, this is the business we're in. We know that already, you know, and, and you know, if the, if the client's not ready, you know, gathering stuff in January, they get increasingly more inquiries from us. You know, you know where's, where's your income? You know, where's... Where's your, uh, where, where, where are the expenses? Where's your, you know, tax income statement? You know, where, what, what deductions are you hoping to, to get? You know, and, and, and making sure, you know, look, you can call those dividends return of capital if you want, but what those companies are gonna to send to the IRS is they're not returns of capital, they're income, you know? And so, you, you know, you, you have to be able to to understand that paradigm and, and then be able to, to help them, um, you know, be able to conform and, and do it in at least costly way as possible. But, you know, some of these places are big. Some of the big hedge funds we have might do millions of trades a day, you know, so there's lots of data that needs to get processed, collated, reconciled, and delivered. And it's constant. You know, so you, you know you, you don't take day off. You take day off. You just got double the the amount the next day. You know, and and you, you know what? 
a trader that doesn't know their positions doesn't trade with confidence. You know, yeah. and trading's a confidence game as much as it is as much as it is a talent game. You know, if you act with confidence, you're going to have a way better chance of succeeding than if you're timid. You know, you know people that talk about really, really good traders, you don't hear the word timid very often. A moment ago, you spoke about so sort of the autonomy that you give your, your business leaders internally, which would suggest the, the speed of decision making. I always think of SSNC as a, a, a fast moving organization. Um, I think a misconception that, that people may have about uh, some of the services you provide, back office, middle office, that there may be technology light, and that's not the case. You're doing a fair amount of work around artificial intelligence, and you have uh, an initiative uh, that, that Norm is, is, is spearheading. I was thinking maybe we could wrap up with um, what you're doing around advanced technologies that may cut across the businesses, such as artificial intelligence and machine learning? Sure, so, you know, as you know, I, I started this business in 1986, and, you know, if you go back, and I know a lot of your listeners will maybe not even have been born in 1986, but, but if you go back to that period of time, it's 1981, it's the IBM PC, right? And, and uh, you know, they, they had given uh, Microsoft the, uh, the operating system, so MS-DOS became the, the operating system for the IBM PC, and and also Dr. DOS, but Microsoft obviously won that game. And by 86, when I started, you know, you're up to about the Pentium chip. So you had the 286, the 386, the 486, and then they called the 586 the Pentium. So the Pentium was the thing that really became the guts of a server and created like client-server architectures, which even today, primarily, things are client-server architectures. You know, and whether you do it wireless or you do it hooked into, uh, hardwired into that, into your various networks at, at, at work or into the internet or intranet or all this other stuff, you know, it's all been about the same, even the cloud. Right, that's a new name for the internet, you know, and okay, right, you know, and always remember the tech companies were about the best marketers there ever was, right, so often you might get undocumented features in some of the technologies that you use, and it's always unfun to find undocumented features. But so if you fast forward to now, and, and why that matters is, is that I really think since about 1986, 87, you know, when we started building systems in large scale, till now, they've all been about the same. SSNC system, which are Camera and Porsche and Maximus and Trade Through and, and you know, now APX and Geneva and Axis and, and a whole bunch of other ones, high portfolios. Um, you know, similar, very similar, as would be SimCore and and Eagle and Princeton and a bunch of other ones, very similar. But today, it's changing, and it's changing really fast. And that's because artificial intelligence, machine learning, you know, intelligent process automation and robotic process automation, it's kind of taking the human element out, you know. So if you think from 86 to, to now, and you thought about an analogy like toll takers, 
you know, over the last 10 years, probably even a little longer, you know, you start getting easy pass. And, you know, you, you then, for a while, you started seeing fast lanes, easy pass fast lanes, where you could go 15 miles an hour through the, through the toll. And then you could go 30 miles an hour. Now you can go as fast as you want and they charge you, right? There's no humans, you know? So that's what's happening with technology today. And, you know, with our Singularity Initiative, we have embedded some of that in, into, into Singularity and, you know, we'll love to show you and your colleagues, but you'll see it do work. You'll see it fix brakes. You'll see it highlight various anomalies in your data, you know, and, and it's constantly. You'll see that it learn, like it will learn that, hey, if you're clearing a break with U.S. Bank, here's how they structure their records. And if you're clearing a break, uh, break with HSBC, here's how they structure their records. And if Singularity sees HSBC the first time, okay, it'll fix that. But the next time it sees HSBC, it already knows. Here's how the data's gonna come in. We're gonna be ready. It's gonna go real fast. You can see 100 breaks clear like that. You know, and so there's a lot of things that this new technology does that really wasn't able to do until those technologies and the underpinnings of the, uh, of the infrastructure was fast enough to do it. So, you know, some people wonder about having trading systems in the cloud and stuff like that, but, you know, this 5G network is coming yeah. on now. It's going to be really fast. You know, all the things that we do today, you know, with our, with our iPhone or our iPad or, 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 or one of the other, um, you know, the Samsungs or any of the other ones, uh, I, I think is, is you do so much more today. You know, you would be willing to put a trade in, in your iPhone. You know, and you probably have, sure. as have I. And, and you know, 10 years ago, I don't know. You know, because you get that little, uh, that little hourglass going for too long and you just don't like having, you know, you think a trade's gonna process, you know, especially a market trade in, you know, some second or a second, and you, know, you go 30 seconds, wait, you start getting a little bit nervous. But today, it comes back that fast. You know, and so those kinds of things then create confidence. You know, you know I use an analogy. I, you know, I bet my son $50 on a football game. If I lose, I give him $50. If he loses, he says, what's your Venmo account? Right. <laughs> you know, what's, what's Venmo? I gave you a $50 bill. You know, I'll take 10 fives. I'll take, you know, two 20s and a 10. You know, Venmo, you know, so, you know, the world's different and, you know, that generation, two-day settlement, 48 hours, they're not going to put up with that. Like, you know, we're just a bunch of dumb old bozos, you know, and so, you know, the things are going to change, right? It's going to be trade and sell, you know, it's going to be have your collateral, have everything ready, and, and these new technologies are what's going to allow you to do those kinds of things and have confidence that it's accurate, you know, and, and that'll be a paradigm shift for, for all of uh, financial services and, you know, places like Wall Street and the city and, and other big, uh, 
trading venues and, and uh, financial centers are, are, are going to be a lot different, a lot different over the next five to ten years, I think. Bill, do you, do you partner on the machine learning side? So at, at that core layer, do you build your stack on top of Microsoft, for example, or we, Amazon's cloud? Or? Well, we, 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 we use a lot of different technologies. Uh, we have our own development people and our own AI experts and ML experts and, and all of that. Uh, but, you know, whatever we can get commercially that we can build upon, we, we do. Um, you know, but you know, one, in one instance, we rolled out a product just just a couple of years ago that took what was taking a major international bank four hours a day to do, and when we turned it on, it took three seconds. You know, so that's value add. Yeah, that's value add. But that's the power of computers, yeah. right? They can do things really, really fast. And if you get it set up right, they do it really, really fast and really, really accurate. If you get it set up wrong, they still do it really, really fast and really, really inaccurate. So, you know, it's important that you have the testing and have the decks and understand, you know, wherever the weakest points in the chain are and make sure you don't have single points of failure and all that all that kind of stuff. And, you know, being an, an old auditor, I'm I'm a I'm a kind of a control freak, you know. It's hey, wait a minute, how's how do we know this? You know what's what's our process that makes this makes this work, right? Not not just that uh, somebody tell oh, yeah it works. Oh, okay, I, I, I don't mean I don't believe you, but I want you to tell me how does it work, right? And why does it why does it work? And does it work at two thousand trades? Does it work at twenty thousand? Does it work at two million? You know what what's the throughput? What's what's the capability? You know, and, and those kinds of things are better learned up front than, than learned after you've, you know, you're in, you're in installation mode and you hit go and it goes too many trades. That's a, that's a bad day. Bill, I appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining the podcast. Okay, John. Good to see you again.